praise the Lord, praise the Lord. I'm up here because I want to pray with the church before we get into the service proper. If you were here last night, you would know that we have a visitor, Brother Peter Abreu from the Vasai Church. He's been with us for many, many years, and we're glad that he's visiting with us today. I let him say something today uh, before the service comes to an end. Uh, he was able to visit the Des Moines meeting, and so he might be able to drop some gems in. Last night we had a dinner at the church, and I thought it was really good. Much effort was put into it, and I thought it was really good. And I want to thank everyone that contributed uh, to be a part of what was done. Um, on behalf of Sister Chandri, I'd like to say uh, thank you for your best wishes and all of that. Um, we don't really go and begin to birthday celebrations. Um, among the many other things that I celebrated in the world, but birthdays are really not a Christian celebration. It uh, started in the Bible sometime when Herod wanted to celebrate his birthday and God killed him. Um, <laughs> times of change. And today, someone celebrates their birthday is to give God the credit and the praise that he has kept you alive. And so when we thank God for Sister Jandri uh, completing 72nd, 72 years, uh, she's a walking miracle. Like she came today and she says, she came out, I was out in the garden clipping some tulips this morning and she came and she says, Dad, I really feel good. Don't let, don't tell me to eat anything I don't really want to eat. So I said, okay, don't eat anything that you don't really want to eat. But she felt good today, and it's good, always good to hear her say that. Feel good today. Today is also Ethan's birthday, and he and Brother John were born the same date. No, no, not date. Uh, same date. Are you, are you older than Brother John? No, okay. That's what I was trying to figure out, you know. And um, I told him, I said, you're taking after Brother John. And you might not lose your hair. And then I remember his dad. I said, no, you might lose your hair later on in life. But Ethan, happy birthday to you and Brother John. It's good to have you here. 78 years of living on this world. And being a faithful man over the years, Brother John has been faithful, come thick or thin. The weather is bad or the weather is not bad, Brother John is there. And I appreciate that his faithfulness and his stability and his persistency in all these years that he's been faithful to the work of God. Actually, he was the one that started this assembly many, many years ago. He was able to get some saints together and they started this work years ago. And so I appreciate Brother John being here. And uh, God has been good to us. All of you that were here last night and those who weren't here, we appreciate God for you and your faithfulness to God. Right now we want to pray before we get into the worship. Let's join in prayer, please. Dear Heavenly Father, once again, we want to thank you, Father. Lord, for the privilege that these unworthy vessels that we are can approach you. 
Lord, I'm not here talking to you because I feel I'm some great preacher or some great pastor or anything like that, Lord, but because your word tells us that if we are faithful, the prayer of the righteous availeth much. Help us, O oh God, to come up to that place where we can be righteous in your sight. Not our own righteousness, Lord, but that which you can work in our lives. We thank you for this assembly. We thank you for the many, many trials you've taken us through. And I have called you. I will not leave you. The troubles he has gone through and the trials that the man goes through. And you know, we often, we often feel in the Christian world that if you're a child of God, you're free from trouble. No trouble, no problems. I'll tell you something today, as you listen to me carefully. Any man that gets into the ministry, that God does not work in his life negatively, no. bring all kinds of bad experience in his life, he'll never be perfected. And we judge things from a human perspective. We say successful. God's viewpoint of success is different than man's viewpoint. Yes. You look at the life of Jesus and you'll think he was a total failure when after three and a half years preaching the gospel, just 120. Where did the thousands go? And there was one time he had a bunch of people following him. And he decided he was going to change their life and turn them around. And he told them, he says, if you're going to be my disciples, he says, first of all, let me tell you about your daddies. He says, your spiritual fathers of the past, they ate manna in the wilderness and they have kicked the bucket. He says, I... I'm the bread. Oh, Jesus, you're so exalted. What's wrong with you? No, no. God moves on. And sometimes it's necessary to see, leave that brazen serpent in the past. Leave the golden calves in the past. Leave all of this paraphernalia of religion in the past in order to move on with God. And we might look at a group of individuals like everybody looks so sweet in church god sees individuals remember one night uh, when we were having our convention on a friday night we used to have prayer meeting remember those days and i was kneeling right down here in this front pew and the prayer meeting is going on and you know pastor like to see if anybody's attending so I looked up, lift up my head, and those times people were not backsliding as much as they do today. So on the Friday night prayer meeting, churches meeting our convention is on Saturday and Sunday. I lift up my eyes and looked at the congregation. There was about 25 people on their knees praying. And I bend my head, I say, oh, well, that's good. 25 individuals. And I bend my head back and there's this little voice 
in my heart that says, you count heads, I count hearts. Amen. I saw 25, what did God see? Sometimes we look at a big crowd and we says, wow, it's good attendance here today. God looks at individuals. Those he, who he is taking through a process. Even his son was made complete through suffering. How could he be my high priest and bear my burdens before the father if he did not go through suffering himself. So I, sometimes I can't understand all of this. Why Hebrews 11 chapter becomes such a powerful chapter when all it lists is all these people that are suffering. When a man of God does not go through a process, God can never use him. But Paul went through. Paul started preaching and before you know it, he had churches in Galatia, uh, Lystra, Iconium, Derby, Antioch. He had Colossae. He had, did these churches. He didn't start Colossae, but that was part of the group. He had started the church in Corinth. And after working with all of these churches, even his trip into Rome, and Paul, when he was coming to the end of his life, you know, minister, like when I'm, when I'm dead, I want a big funeral. You know, that's what it ministers want. You know, at, my, at his funeral, he had 150 cars. Well, when Jesus died, all men forsook him. Even Peter followed afar off. And when Paul was coming to the end of his life, you think he'd sit down and say, well, I'm looking at the great work that I've built. All Asia forsook him. You know who was the main person God was working on? Paul. And I cannot be a judge of individuals. God is the judge. I pray every day that I will make it to the end. Being despised, being forsaken, being criticized, being ridiculed. Who had believed our report, Isaiah says? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of a dried ground. He will have no form nor comeliness. And when Israel sees him, when we see him, we will. No, when we see him, he had no form nor comeliness. There's no beauty that we should desire him. He is. What? Despised mean loved by everyone? No, he is despised and rejected Jesus despised and rejected but I'm his disciple I want to be loved no he was a man of sorrows acquainted with grief and as I look at individuals the race is not for the swift but they that endure unto the end 
So I scanned through the Bible, whether it was Moses refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the churn of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming big houses and treasure, no, esteeming the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. That's Moses. Isaiah came on in to God's people and they cut him in half. God's people. I can say the body of Christ today, but there it was the body of Moses. She's saying the body of Christ does not make us the body of Christ. What does God think? And when Israel, the body of Moses, existed, they killed every prophet. Isaiah was killed. Jeremiah rejected every one of the men of God that he sent. God's people that preferred to live in apostasy rejected him. I tell you something. Isaiah died saved. Jeremiah died, rejected a man, saved. Jesus died, rejected of men, but accomplished the greatest plan that God had ever planned for mankind. So when Paul was coming to the end of the life, I'm saying this to Brother Avery to hear, troubles are going to come. They're not going to go away. And sometimes you feel dejected. No, stick it out to the end because the race is not for the swift. It's for those that endure to the end. It's not up there. It's down here. Amen. Amen. See, up there, we go to college, we can go to see a, a theological seminary, we can get a degree, we can get a doctorate in theology. But I prefer the doctorate of heartology. When God can change you from within. You see, what Paul counted but dung, he was a theological man. All that the Pharisee church had taught him, he was ready to bring that and push it in the, in, the, in the gospel he preached. And the Lord dealt with him. And all that was gained to him, he flushed. What Paul flushed, ministers today are trying to accomplish. See, I see the world differently. I look at the world and I'm, I'm looking at the body of Christ. I'm looking at ministers today and what Paul was giving up. We want to accomplish. It's not the titles that man labels us with. It's what God sees when the job is over. If everyone that came to this church remained in, we'd have over 500 people today sitting in this congregation. But they come and they go. They come and they go. And I'm not a Dale Carnegie guy, how to win friends and influence people, no. 
If Sister Dorothy is a hypocrite, what would I call you? Sister Dorothy, if you were a hypocrite, what would I call you? A hypocrite. I'd be nice. I said, Sister Dorothy, you are a sweet hypocrite. <laughs> See, if I go to my doctor, and I'm seeing him tomorrow, it was on Wednesday tomorrow, and when I go there and he says, I said, Doc, I got this problem and I got this problem and you know all these problems. And he said, don't worry about it. Take two Tylenol. He's a quack. Any preacher that makes you feel comfortable in your rebellion is a quack. My job is not to educate you. My job is to save you. Amen. And that's what I hope to accomplish. We don't close that church door to people that leave because we sow seeds in their hearts. And one day, you see them come back in. We're saying, I miss church so much because it was a seed that God planted in their hearts that brought them back. And so when Paul was coming to the end of his life, he says, I am now ready to be offered. You know, before that, he said in that fourth chapter, he says, um, somebody started up for me, if, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. I, Just, charge I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and kingdom. He says, make jokes when you get in the pulpit. Teach theology. No. He says preach the word. You know what is the word? That Bible is scripture. When the Holy Ghost touches my mind and I pull a verse out of there and bring it to life. It becomes the word. The word is not dead. The word is that which comes and become alive. Quick and powerful and convicts individuals. But you saying that was good preaching. Did it save you? Well, not really. You know, good preach. No, no. Good preaching changes the lives of the people. It's not talking. And so Paul says, preach the word. Be instant all the time. In season, out of season. Rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. He says, because there's coming a time in the world when people will not endure sound doctrine. So what will they do? I want teachers to entertain me. I want a preacher in the pulpit that can joke. I want a preacher in the pulpit that can keep calling me and encouraging me and tell me how much they love me. See, that's a Dale Carnegie approach. One day Jesus preached a message, and that's a message. He said, your fathers eat manna in the wilderness, and they're dead. He says, I'm the bread that came down. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood, that does not do that, would have no part of me. And that day, when he preached a message like that, the Bible says many of his disciples left him. They walked out of the church. And then Jesus went in a corner. He says, oh, they left me. Mm -hmm. 
And he went and started crying. No. He turned to the twelve that were left. He says, see that crowd just leaving? Church just broke up. Jesus broke up his own church. He says, see that crowd they're leaving? He says, you all want to go? And then big mouth Peter, that was big mouth one time, got inspired again by the Holy Ghost. He says, Lord, whither shall we go? He says, we know and are sure you have the words of eternal life. He said, there's no way I want to go. So when Paul said the time will come, they will not endure sound doctrine. People want to be entertained in the pulpit. He says, the time, he says, After the old yes, skip down to that, that part. Um, time is running out on me. He says, he says, I'm now ready to be offered. What verse is that? Verse 6. Verse 6. He says, I'm, how many years it took Paul? 35 years for an apostle to come to the place that he's now ready. I like that scripture you quote in Titus. Tells us how miserable, how terrible, how rebellious, how sinful we are. Everyone is. But isn't it wonderful that if the world thinks you're an idiot and God thinks you're a child of his. Amen. Says that I'm now ready after 35 going on to 40 years, I'm ready to be offered. What makes you think you're ready? Well, all them churches forsake me. Churches of Galatia forsaken me. The churches, all, all the churches have forsaken me. He says, Titus is gone. Demas is gone. Cretans is gone. Everybody's gone. He says, the only person that's left here is Luke. Isn't that sad? Yes. A great apostle Paul left with Luke. And he's writing to Timothy and he says, bring the parchments when you're coming. And in the eyes of the world, that man's a loser. He lost all his church, he's lost everything. No, no, no. What man thinks is not important. What God thinks is important. And you might lose everything around you. Guess what? Hold everything with a loose grasp. Someone says, hold on to this world like when you're holding on to sand. Let the world slip through your finger. You ever grab some sand and see if you can hold it? It slips through your fingers. Let the world slip through your finger, but hold on to Christ and God with all your heart. Pray the same for Brother Abriel. As he visited with us this weekend, I'm not God. I told him I'm not a leader. I can't sit down and say, well, I'm a leader today. Here's what you need. To. No, no, no. Brother Goodwin was that kind of person. And sometimes he tells me to do something. And Brother Goodwin, when he was alive, Brother Abiel, he says, Brother Singh, I'm sending you to Toronto. He calls it Toronto. At that time, it was in Toronto. He says, I heard Brother White gets up for one hour and talk. And then Brother John gets up for one hour and talk. That's what he heard, right? He says, when you go there, let everybody sit down and you talk. Did I do that, Brother John? Just, no, I did not take over. I listened to him. I said, okay. He says, when you go to Toronto, you pray as if everything depends on God 
and work like if everything depends on you. That was my pastor. He says, I'm going to give you $100 a week to keep you in Canada. After a few months, I told him, please don't send that money anymore. Let me trust God. I'm going to drive a school bus and see if I can get money to support me. I did. He was a great man. But I only follow him as he followed Christ. He was the greatest man I ever met. But I only follow his ways which be in Christ. And it pays off. It pays off to, for us to learn to follow Christ. Now, if you don't know me and I'm your pastor, that's a bad situation to be in. You need to know me. You need to understand me because when I stand behind this pulpit, I don't have wife, I don't have sister, I don't have brother, I don't have daughter, I don't have grandkids. I have the word of God and it cuts me as much as it should cut you. It should save us all. Let us pray. Father, we thank you today for this time we spent in your house. Lord, may these words remain in our hearts. Thank you for Brother Abreu. Father, as he goes back to his part of the world, we pray that you'll be with him and strengthen him. And oh God, as you have converted and saved every one of your prophets and ministers, Father, continue to work in his life. Raise up men in these last days that will be purged from the evils of this world. From past traditions and things that are not beneficial to them, Father. And as we close our lives, we can say like Paul, we're ready to be offered. The time of our departure is at hand that, Lord, we can say we have fought a good fight. We have kept the faith. We have finished our course. We're looking forward, Father, for that crown of righteousness. Let your word remain in every one of our hearts, we pray. And save us in Jesus' name. Amen. amen and amen and amen.